Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about some issues with the demand at the Pokemon World Championships for several events, for items in the Pokemon Center potentially. Lots to talk about there. We'll talk about a few new cards that were revealed, including one that old school players will be very excited to see coming out very soon in Obsidian Flames. We'll, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And those of you who comment on the YouTube channel and say that you skip Guess That Flavor Text, just so you know, I see that and it hurts my feelings. And then we'll wrap up the episode with the best of three versus best of one debate that has arisen once again. And uh, one of the main people who's been at kind of the center of this discussion because of his pace of play on stream put out a statement. Regarding the situation toward Reklev himself, we'll discuss all of that, our thoughts, our opinions, and more on this week's episode. And we'll wrap up things over on our Patreon with a bonus exclusive episode, which you can find over there, patreon.com slash Uncommon Energy Podcast. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here as always by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing, buddy? Doing good. Just another week of uh, streaming YouTube. All the fun stuff. Didn't really do anything too <clears throat> too crazy this weekend or this week. Um, I'm trying to think if I did like anything between this week and last week. I don't really think so. But uh, I'm liking the uh, non-travel, to be honest. The no travel has been good so far. Um, I saw you did some like content. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but you reacted to or like did your VOD reviews, but for local League Cups and stuff. Because there's been a lot of League Cups happening uh, so I thought that was kind of cool, something that you did that you don't normally yeah. do. I've done that a couple of times. Well, I've been trying to do it. I like forget to do it sometimes. But yeah, on weekends, instead of going to League Cups or Challenges myself, I'll try and find like people who are streaming League Cups or League Challenges and then uh, just kind of tune in and commentate over the gameplay. It's like, it's like definitely nice. I'm sure I would get bored of it if I did it too much, but because I don't really do it very often, like commentating over line gameplay or like analyzing lab gameplay, I should say, because I'm not like trying to commentate it per se, but... Uh, just analyzing gameplay while it's live is a lot more exciting because you don't know what's going to happen really. But like when you do, when I do like the regional or IC VOD reviews, it's like a little bit less uh, hype because you know you kind of just know what's going to happen right. uh, to an extent because <clears throat> of the results of the tournament. Not every time, every round, but a decent amount of the round. So not knowing what's going to happen is nice. I've been doing that. Also, I guess I did do also that one more thing I mentioned. I put out a video um, where I actually talked with uh, Stefan Erickson, who's a uh, pretty knowledgeable. He's a you know he's been a player for a long time uh judge this season and then it's also pretty knowledgeable on numbers and math and stuff actually does some teaching uh around statistics uh and uh i did a little bit of like an interview style video where i talked about like random uh randomness and like shuffling in the pokemon tcg because there's like a topic that i uh talked about a lot a little while ago uh on my own the stream youtube uh, went back and forth to some people on Twitter and seven, re seven reached out to me and was like, yo, do you want to uh, talk about this stuff? So way, you know, just give you, give me a better understanding of, you know, what I'm trying to convey to people. And then uh, I was like, yo, can we turn it into some kind of like video type things? So, you know, you can share that information with everyone. Uh, and that's what we uh, ended up doing. That's on my YouTube channel right now. So anyone <clears throat> who uh, wants to know a little bit more as to why you shouldn't pile shuffle um, or why pile shuffling isn't a form of randomization to so go check out that uh that video over on my youtube channel Azul gg but uh yeah that's uh that's my week what about you chip how was how was your week oh uh, week was pretty good nothing too crazy spent some time with some family this weekend which was fun got 
Samuel, the baby, and my uh, brother and sister-in-law's baby together and hung out with the grandparents and stuff, which was fun. And then uh, I uh, actually picked up, or not picked up, but I played, started playing through Stray uh, on my PS5 this week because it's free with PS Plus Extra, I think, for this month, but it like goes away tomorrow. Uh, and I have not finished it yet, so I need to finish it before uh, it gets taken off of PS Plus Extra tomorrow. But um, I'm a few hours in. It's a pretty short game. I think I'm almost done with it. I'm going to, after we're done recording, run downstairs and try to finish it tonight <laughs> before I go to bed. Um, but that game is, like, super cool. It's super unique. Um, I'm not a huge cat person. For anyone who doesn't know, it is like the cat game is kind of like how people know it. You play as a cat, a stray cat. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything for it because I didn't know much about it besides the fact that you play as a cat. I didn't know much else. But it's a super cool game, a super unique story. It reminds me a lot of Portal. If you played Portal way back in the day, just like things are not as they seem type of thing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, looking forward to trying to finish that up. And this coming weekend, I'm actually going to play in a League Cup first tournament of the 2023 season. I don't exactly know what I'm going to try to do with this year. I'm I'm going to try to, I mean, obviously, like I'll cast all the regionals they ask me to cast and I'll try to go to the ones that they don't ask me to cast where I'll try to like go and play in several of them. Um, So, I mean, I guess maybe I can try to actually get a world's invite this year. I don't know, like with a full season of cups and challenges, which hopefully we should have. Right. I feel like it's like a reasonable thing for me to do, but it will involve me like actually having to go to all the cups and challenges because I will play far less regionals than most other people. Ideally, you know, assuming I get to cast a pretty decent amount of them. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe we'll kick off chips journey to getting a 2024 world's invite this coming weekend. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems like it'll probably be pretty reasonable, like pretty reasonable to do with like mostly locals. It'll probably be pretty similar to like pre-COVID um, structure. So you get pretty close. You'll probably have to pick up some regional points or maybe even some IC right. points, but um, you should be able to get there. I believe in you, Chip. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. The camaraderie <laughs> is what it's all about at the end of the day. But let's get into our first topic of the podcast this week, starting with some issues with demand at the Pokemon World Championships. And not really, I mean, we talked about the issue kind of with spectator passes a couple of weeks ago where, you know, spectator passes sold out pretty much instantly. Uh, or, or no, it was like a lottery system. Lottery right? system yeah, yeah, it was a lottery system. Well, I guess we should um, say it's not really, it's not really an issue. Everything's going as planned, right? Well, sure. The demand is uh, just really high. Yeah. yeah. I guess people are kind of a little, uh, I'm sure some people are a little bit frustrated or a little bit just like, what is the word I'm looking for? It's not sad. I don't think anyone's like sad, but uh, disappointed. There disappointed, we go. yeah. There we go. That's the word. You couldn't <laughs> think of the word disappointed? Yeah, I was struggling because I started with <laughs> frustrated. In my head, I started with frustrated. I was like, eh, I'm not looking for the word frustrated. Um, so outside yeah. of like the Pokemon World Championships event itself, which already was having, you know, capacity issues with spectator ba badges, like there being way more demand than there were badges available outside of just the main world championships itself. There's a bunch of 
Pokemon Worlds related things happening. There's an event at a park. There's a live music show. There's a parade. All kinds of things happening. And people could sign up online for lottery, lottery spots to, to attempt to get into all these various different things. And this includes things like the World Store, similar to what they did at NAIC, where you could sign up to try to get a spot for the Pokemon Center. But then some of these other ones just seem kind of unique and cool. Something, some kind of festival going on at the park. Um, a, a live music show as well. And yeah, if you're like me and Azul, if you're going to Worlds, like plenty of people signed up and tried to get spots to these things. And if you're also like me and Azul, you did not get <laughs> accepted <laughs> spots for any of the cool stuff. I did get a Pokemon Center spot, which I'm thankful for and glad to be able to have. But I'm a little bummed because I think like, you know, this is the unique stuff, right? The the parade, the shows, the park, those things would have been really cool to have a chance to go and, and do and see, but they've all filled up. Yeah, those are actually like when I looked at like the stuff and actually I didn't know what I actually signed up for a spot for the world store as well, which I wouldn't have done if I had known competitors just by default got one, which I just didn't know when I signed up. But all the other stuff like seemed like cool to potentially just, you know, just go and do, you know, I just, I mean, this is going to be my first time in Japan. So there's a lot of other stuff just like, japan based stuff to do besides pokemon stuff but like sure I don't know, i'm there for two weeks so like doing the pokemon stuff would have been cool to do as well you know it's not that not that much going on yeah what the other stuff is like the stuff i was because like well, if you go to the pokemon center there's not going to be anything to get anyways because everything's going to be sold out so like <laughs> <laughs> at least with this stuff like it'll be there um so yeah i i, I kind of want to ho i was hoping to get into like one or two of the things you know to have you know something to already kind of plan to do around the pokemon stuff because yeah the, i mean the pokemon store for me like i'm never someone who like Cares too much about like if it's like a cool world's exclusive thing like the i think the dice were pretty cool last year so like i got a thing of the dice but um yeah i'm never like looking to to buy a bunch of the the uh pokemon exclusive the world's exclusive merch anyways i always get my competitors kit as well so i always get some of the stuff yeah it's kind of nice to be a competitor because you just like you get a lot of the stuff that as a player you would probably want to get at the store right like so, yeah. some of the things that players would get would be like sleeves deck boxes playmat and you get that exclusive stuff already and you, in even other stuff outside of playing the game like you get a backpack you get a t-shirt you get a hat like so you get yeah. most of like the cool stuff so even if you don't end up getting much at the pokemon center you still have that to walk away with yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so I wasn't like, I wasn't too bummed about the Pokemon Center one. I'm not really too bummed about all of them anyways, you know. I'm sure there's people out there like, for me, like with the Pokemon stuff, there's, there's people out there who are like much bigger fans of like Pokemon than I am. So um, it would have been cool to go to some of this stuff, but not a big deal for me overall, to be honest. Yeah, and um, so many people I saw posting like screenshots on Twitter when the emails were going out last week of the spots that they got. And most of the people I saw, it was like, Oh, for five, just getting absolutely nothing, <laughs> signing up for any for of these things and, and then just not even getting access to it here and there. I'd see someone who got a store spot, but I don't know that I saw anyone who actually ended up getting a spot to one of the shows or the parade. I saw I saw one or two, I think, out there. Um, I mean, it's got I mean, as long as the lottery isn't capped, like if we just think about Japan and the amount of players who are or who play Pokemon over there and who are fans of the game, like mm -hmm. they have 3000 player tournaments with. 10,000 players registering for the lottery, right? Yep. So the 3,000 players that make it into these 3,000 player tournaments in Japan, there's actually like 10,000 of them trying to get into those tournaments. Um, and then beyond that, there's just a lot of Pokemon fans, right? Like there's so many more players. 
Yep. Because um, we only it's see, a like, bigger the, part of their culture than it is. Yeah, here. we only see the TCG side of things, which is three thousand player tournaments in Japan. Do they, they? They? I wonder how big the video game is over there. Now that I kind of like, I've never thought about that before because I just never see the numbers. Um, yeah, I'm curious about that. How big is um, the but, video game? Like, yeah, the player well, players wise, you mean? Yeah, like if they're having three thousand player TCG tournaments, how big are their VGC tournaments? Well, I I'm think sure they're not that as I'll, big. But... They do a decent amount of stuff online. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just never thought. I literally have just never thought about that before. But now it's just like all of a sudden, like, oh wait, that that is like a thing. Uh, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how big their tournaments are over there. Um, but yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, it's just gonna be huge, right? It's gonna be a madhouse. Yeah. Like, it, it, personally, it, it like is says, gonna be a madhouse. <laughs> I've already sure. said this multiple times, but I'm probably gonna have like personally a pretty miserable experience at the World Championships. I'm not a big fan of big crowds, tons of people, like um so me personally i'm not looking forward towards world championships too much but i am looking forward to going to japan um so but and yeah, speaking of the world, world store they oh. have put out a list of everything that is available to be purchased at the world store which is pretty cool i actually don't know that they've done this in years past like ahead of time saying these are all the various things so theoretically you can kind of go through and see what some of the unique things are like, for example, you know, maybe some like Japanese exclusive things. There's like a ramen bowl, some chopsticks, like uh, that's the type of stuff that we wouldn't normally get <laughs> at the Pokemon Center. Right. So those type of things, I think, are pretty cool. Those are the the type of merchandise things I'm drawn to, at least. Um, they've got a world's 2023 skateboard deck, you know, the Bear Walker thing. I actually think I saw a Bear Walker's Twitter. He tweeted a picture of it this week. Um it's cool. I mean, that's become a huge collectible item. The skateboards. Yeah. yeah, he did tweet a picture of it, which I mean, and it's because <laughs> like I don't skateboard and I would bet that 95 percent of the people who buy these things do not skateboard. No, but these things well, just look sick, right? Yeah. <laughs> they just look so cool. Yeah, they do look really dope, um, um, but they released a list of tons and tons and tons of things. But one thing that stood out to people was that they announced that due to unforeseen circumstances, two items that would have been sold at the Pokemon Center store at Worlds have been canceled. And those two items were the TCG deck box and the TCG double deck box. Yeah. And actually, like the... pretty disappointing to see for a lot of the TCG players out there. Yeah, especially because I feel like the TCG double deck boxes from Worlds have kind of become like an iconic piece of, piece of like... Um merchandise uh, or exclusive merchandise from world to be honest i think the first time they did them was in vancouver regionals if i remember correctly, i think so which is, yeah which is the first world i went to and they've done them ever since but it's like one of the biggest it's the most you one of the most used items from worlds because people actually use the double deck boxes from world so uh, it's definitely one of the biggest items for sure that's not maybe the biggest item for tcg players that's not going to be present at the store to be honest um uh, we don't it's... know if competitors still get uh one in their it just says not available for purchase at the store. It's true. Do they have competitor. Are the competitor ones usually different or no? I actually don't even remember. They have been in the past, but they've Sometimes. also. So there was a long time where I, I, I don't know because it's before my time, but I think that, and maybe you, I don't know if you remember or not, but like at those early worlds, I don't know that you could get them in the store. I kind of feel like Ooh, actually you might be right on that. Yeah. I kind of think they used to be competitor, competitor exclusive. exclusive. Yeah. And maybe then more. like 2016, maybe there was two different ones. The competitor one had a Pikachu on it and the store one had the Snorlax on it. And I think like for a couple years they did two different ones. 
but I'm pretty sure the last couple of worlds like 2019 and 2023 or 2022, excuse me, they were the same between the store and, um, and the competitor kits, but there definitely were a couple years where there was two different ones available. But yeah, yeah sure. I mean, for me personally, like that's the one thing like I use consistently from worlds every single year, even after worlds is over. Like I have the 2017, 18 and 19 deck boxes. And those are the three deck boxes that I all like. Those are the first three deck boxes I grab whenever I'm like putting a deck in my backpack for a tournament. Those are the first three ones I use. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. I think a lot of people are disappointed about that because um, I was actually just curious. So I looked it up. There's. Uh, the, how many players were in the play VGC over in Japan? I don't really know, but at their Japan Championships this year, which was not that long ago, was in June 10th. They only had 150 VGC players, but I think it was some kind. It was like invite only basis for their Japan Championships because that's what it was for TCG for the most part. So I don't know. I'm just curious about that. So I thought I would mention that there because I looked it up. Um, but yeah, no double deck boxes. Kind of sucks. Most of the other stuff will be there though. Uh, and then the, the competitors still might, but that's going to make those really expensive if the competitors do end up getting them. Yeah. That'll be like, because <laughs> it's like definitely one of the biggest items for sure at Worlds um, every single time. Even at like NAIC, they had like an NAIC exclusive one as well, which like sold out instantly, uh, basically every single day. If they had extra stock, like did not last very long. So yeah, if the, there is the, if the competitors still get one, it's definitely going to be a pretty expensive deck box. Yeah. I mean, I'm probably going to try to buy one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. If that's the case, I would almost rather them in this instance, not be available <laughs> than pay a hundred dollars for a deck chip. box. But <laughs> you heard it here first. Anyone who's a competitor going to world chip hopes you don't get a deck box. Stop. Stop. He's like the Grinch, bro. <laughs> <laughs> if no one can have, one, or if I can't have, can't one, have, no one. One. No one can have one, no, it's definitely a bummer, but, um, it is worth, you know, if you're going to worlds and you're you know someone who's gonna want to pick up a few things at the pokemon center i mean i know so i've seen yeah, so, so many, many people at worlds every year dropping like four even five figures at the pokemon center to like pick up all the exclusive stuff so um i'm sure there's plenty of people out there that are going to want to be buying some things so it's definitely worth going through and kind of picking out okay here are the exclusive things that i want to make sure i go after so when you get into the store you can kind of know what to prioritize because stuff theoretically is going to go pretty quick right yeah i mean not all of it there's like definitely like mm. the, like non-exclusive stuff is gonna not gonna go as quickly or just there's just some some stuff that even if it is exclusive it just doesn't move you know like the deck boxes move the mats move a lot yeah. of this is going to be exclusive stuff, though, is the thing. But yes, there's yeah, but definitely like, stuff that's going to yeah. move slower is, than other things. What is a two-toed sock? What is two-toed socks? I actually saw a picture of something with this. Oh, on is it one where it's just like, isn't it just Twitter? Like, two-toed socks are the ones where it's, there's a, uh, it's a only separating your big toe from the rest of your toes, right? I think it's your big and your second toe, but I don't know for sounds sure. Sounds uncomfortable. If it's just the big toe, that sounds fine. No, here, I think it is just the big toe. I saw this picture okay. on Twitter of some two-toe socks. I imagine that's what it is. Yeah. Why? <laughs> what advantage for sandals. does this give? Oh, okay. True, true, true. Yeah, you can yeah. Wear them. I was like, yeah, what is the purpose of this? It's like, <laughs> people picking up stuff with their feet, bro? <laughs> like, that people are rolling dice. 
but uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of there's a lot of things because when I looked at the list for the first time before we started the cast, I was like, dude, there's just like a lot of there probably is like this much stuff usually, but like I've never seen it in list form like this. There's like a yeah, well, I mean, because you think about how much space some of this stuff takes up, right? Like this whole section of things, the key holders and the socks and the figures, like these things can all fit onto one display cabinet, right? So it won't take you in Lapras denim jacket. Do people wear denim? But stuff like this. Dude, if the competitor backpack looks like this, or if it's a, a little different, different, usually the, the competitor backpack is different from the store one. And every time it's always, I think it's always, that's one thing that's always different. I'm pretty yeah. sure. And the mat, of course, but. So, I mean, this is the store one. So the competitor one hopefully looks like cooler than this, right? Yeah. I don't know. That I mean, I guess that good. is an objective thing. No, there's such a thing as cooler. I mean, some people are just <laughs> wrong. <laughs> the shirt looks pretty nice too. I'm usually not like a big fan of like uh the jersey. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it a jersey? I think so. Oh, that's right. They have been doing the jerseys recently. All right, I'm still not a fan of it. It actually this. might be a shirt, but the V neck. Yeah, cut... it is a jersey. It probably is a jersey. To be yeah, honest, that's what makes me. Right, I'm no that. longer a fan of it. Never mind. <laughs> well, we'll keep yeah. our eyes on it, and uh, yeah, maybe the competitors will get something that no one else is able to get. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Up next, we've got some new cards revealed. Now, these ones are coming out in Ruler of the Black Flame over in Japan. I think it's either this weekend or next weekend. It's coming out soon. I think it is this weekend, though. I think it comes out like the twenty, the weekend of the 22nd, the 21st, whatever. Um, and most, but maybe not all of these cards, we'll be getting in Obsidian Flames on August 11th. Um, but uh, yeah, there's some, some new cards for us to take a look at here. Yep. And... A few, you know, there's some unique cards, I think, coming out in this one, but also some things that are very similar to old cards. So there's be things to uh, look forward to and then also things like you can reminisce on a little bit. Um, what's the first thing you want to talk about here? I guess Glamora. Yeah, just go down to the Glamora first. Yeah, Glamora EX. Kind of cool that this is like getting revealed and they've been doing this a little bit more recently. Usually cards get revealed for the first time in Japanese and then we have to like see them on Twitter. People translate them and then we can get the translations that way. But recently there's been a few cards. The Rev of Room EX was like this and then Glamora EX like this as well. Well, I think being revealed in English first, which is kind of neat. Well, I think it's because of how close the releases are to each other. Yeah, exactly. Like Obsidian Flames comes out, what, three weeks after uh, Ruler of the Black Flame does. And that's like the closest we've ever had releases of like the same cards from Japan. Maybe that's that might be the, the, the soonest we've gotten cards released as they've gotten cards released. Not 100% sure on that, but um, hopefully that's a, a sign of things to come. But of course, like we get 151, like they already have 151 in Japan and we don't get it until September. So that feels off. But the release of Obsidian Flames being pretty soon after Ruler of the Black Flame, like that's a good sign. But then the 151 is kind of feels weird. But like the 151 set is like our holiday set or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're going to just gonna make another set out of thin air uh, to like fill that fill that kind of gap with. And I guess we 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 should be getting one more set in like November. Another the next main set should be around November. I feel like right. So we should have there's still three more sets towards the end of this year, which feels like a lot. But I guess that is it is kind of like on pace for what it normally is. So the Glamour EX is actually kind of interesting here. 270 HP, stage one, fighting type Pokemon with the Dust Field ability. As long as this Pokemon is in the active spot, your opponent can't have more than three benched Pokemon. If they have four more benched Pokemon, they discard until they have three on the bench. 
and then so on and so forth. Some other just like reminder text. And then it's attack for two fighting energy, poisonous gem, 140 damage. Your opponent's active Pokemon is now poisoned. So a pretty solid disruptive ability. Efficient attack, but pretty low damage output. Yeah. What is what's your take on Glamora, Azul? I, mean, I think yeah, the ability is definitely good. Parallel City was good. Collapse Stadium is even sometimes like pretty oppressive to someone's bench. Um, so I think if we see it being played, you'll play like a one-one or a two-two in a deck, and you just kind of push it up after you get KO'd, or when you can conveniently do it, and you just like switch it back to the bench. So like, so you, like make your opponent discard their bench, switch back to the bench, and then you know, uh, just take advantage of the disruption of the ability. Maybe even play escape rope. So like they discard some Pokemon off their bench. You escape rope, force up one of the ones they kept, and then take that knockout with something else. I don't know what you play it with, but like. I think that's a, probably the most effective use we'll see out of it. Just kind of like a bench limiting Pokemon to kind of disrupt your opponent. Cause yeah, the attack just isn't great. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is efficient to energy to attack. Right. But like, there's not great fighting energy acceleration. I mean, gutsy pickaxe or <laughs> Raihan specifically, uh, is kind of your best option. I don't know. I, I don't think that this is ever going to be played as like a one, one or a two, two line for the purpose of just like sending up after a KO. Like that's just like so much well, deck space to, and a bench space to commit to something like that. Right. If we get to like more setup based decks, I could see it. Like when we get, like when we get to eventually, which it seems like we're heading to is like the eventual, you know, most decks are going to be stage two EX decks. Mm. You know, you're going to have trying to get down like your whole squad plus some support Pokemon, was like an initial setup support Pokemon, but if that ends up in the active, then all of a sudden you could be discarding like their Bidoof and their Greninja, even though that like, you're not getting rid of one of their Ralts or whatever it might be, whatever Meowth is the spaghetti yeah. cat, whatever. Like if you had three spaghetti cats and a Bidoof and a Greninja on your bench, and then you set up Gamora, <laughs> they have to discard two that like, gets guarding two Pokemon there. That kind of hurts, right? Like Avery is really good against Guardvor, right? Like we like a lot of people play Avery and like Arceus decks for like the Guardvor yeah. matchup. Like they go, you know, Greninja quad Ralts, and you're like, okay, Avery, and then you go escape rope, and then it's like, okay, now their setup is kind of destroyed. I could see there being a format where this is like okay enough as an attacker, but it would have to be like the way I see this being played would be with like heavy disruption. So like yeah. crushing hammers or if there's some other forms of control type cards that come out. So it's like just an annoying it's deck. Super annoying. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, poisons you as well. I mean, we've got things like his uh, radiant Hisuian Sneasler to boost yeah. your poison damage. You can fix some numbers. And I mean, listen, it's a fighting type. Traditionally in the Pokemon TCG fighting is one of the worst weaknesses to have. So if, uh, you know, there's Arceus decks running around still, you know, Maridon, if it ever creeps its head back in there, I mean, this is something that's going to knock out pretty much everything in those decks. Um, yeah. Or if there's some better fighting Pokemon that, could supplement this for certain matchups. I think there's a chance for Glamora at some point in the future. We'll have to see though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on, we got the. I mean, ready to go all the way down? Would you want to? <laughs> you want to talk about Togekiss or? <laughs> uh, no, we can talk about Reverum though. We I, talked I about it made... already. Oh, did we already talk about Reverum? Yeah, we talked about Reverum. Oh, all right, we're talking way too much about Reverum. All right, let's move on to the big one then. The Pidgeot. <laughs> Bro, Azul loves Reverum for I'm some reason. Fan, I just don't Reverum. know why, dude. <laughs> Four tool cards is just cool. You can do a, like... Bro, I just don't I... see you giving the same love to Honchkrow V and, you know, I, I mean... I'm sorry, listen, Honchkrow. I don't know you what it is, Azul. I don't know. You can't Cheryl a Honchkrow, though. But Reverum, you can put Spirit Masks and the rugged helmet on it and then they yep. hit you and then you heal and then you cheryl and then you have to wait three turns to attack again okay no, wait no, no no we're just not attacking with it just oh, hit okay. us. it's just or tanking reverum no you can play it with the bronze song right that thing is still in the format move your metal energy around 
it is, yeah. I don't know if it is, though. I think it is. It's from Battle Styles. So. All right, lock it in. See, Chip, you're on it now. You're on the Rev Vroom. I'm Rever on the Rev Vroom. I'm riding the Rev Vroom car. Dude, let, can we also <laughs> just talk about, like, they made an engine Pokemon, man. It's I mean, an they engine. Gotta go somewhere. Yeah, gotta go somewhere. <laughs> With it's a tongue. Like a, it has to a like tongue. A, it's supposed to be like a haunted engine because that's usually what those things kind of are. It's, yeah, I thought that too when I because I, I played the I played the game unlike Azul. So when I came across this thing for the first time, I was like, oh, it's just like a ghost car. It's a ghost metal type. Nope, you yeah. catch one for the first time. It's a poison type. Well, isn't also like Maridon and Coridon? Aren't they like like motorcycles? Kinda. Yeah. Sure. Going to are we are we entering like the automobile age of Pokemon? Maybe Our so. Truck, truck Pokemon. The f <laughs> we're gonna have the first electric car Pokemon eventually. <laughs> I mean, that's what Mar Maridon is an electric motorcycle, true, true. dude. So we're there. <laughs> the future there. is now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but Pidgeot EX. Um, yeah, there's this, this, there's definitely the past is now with Pidgeot the past EX. Is now. Um, this is definitely like an. A lot of people just like the nostalgias are coming through with this card a lot for a lot of people. Not me. I'm a little bit more level headed. The card's not very good right now, but um, it probably will be eventually. 280 HP, the ability quick search. Uh, once during your once during your turn, you may search your deck for a card and put it into your hand and shuffle your deck. So any one card. That's not bad. That's a pretty good ability. But the attack sucks, right? Call us, call us. 120. You may discard a stadium in play. So to commit to getting a stage two, another stage two possibly because it'd probably be in a stage two deck that already plays your candy. Then search for any one card out of your deck. It doesn't seem like it really works in the current meta. But yeah, a lot of people are hit. The nostalgia is hitting hard for a lot of people with this card because this used to be a very good card back in 20, 2006. Yeah, 2004, 5, and 6. This card six. was, or not 2004. I think it came out at like the end of 2004. Yeah, I yeah. think it was like, yeah, fall of 2004 after Worlds, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, this card was it's just iconic you know it dominated the game it was played in a ton of different decks it was one of the best support cards in the history of the game the same poke power search your deck for one card put it in your hand but you can only use one quick search each and every turn so yeah there's a lot of discussion about this obviously people are kind of having i think like the rose tinted glasses i Definitely. think <laughs> um this like, the ability is good it is super yeah, good the rest of the card but it's on a stage two it's on a stage yeah. two the only place it makes sense to play a card like this currently is in a deck that is already playing rare candy you're not going to go out of your way to play rare candy and you're not going to take the time to evolve it three times or two times i guess pidgey pidgeotto pidgeot um so you're going to have to play it in a deck that plays Rare Candy. And the only thing really right now that that fits in is Backscalibur, I think. And I could see this being okay in Backscalibur. Yeah, it might replace B-Barrel, to be honest. Like, maybe... And Arceus, like... right? Yeah. Like, that's the combo-based version of the deck is what's become popular. And, you know, Quick Search is half a Starbirth you can use every single turn, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think as we do... But the thing is... Uh, uh, so, the... The other th the other th way you can look at this card is like probably as we move to a more ex based format, there's definitely space for this card to flourish, right? Sure. But we're still two rotations away from getting getting rid of loss loss zone, right? So I don't know if I don't know when that's gonna happen. Hopefully, with the next rotation, stage two ex type decks do have uh, their moment. 
But yeah, the Pidgey <laughs> got 60 HP. <laughs> Sableye and Greninja are ready to go. Like, yeah, so like... Cresselia. We, depending on how long it takes for us to get there to a more stage 2 EX-based format where we are, you know, every, almost every deck is playing Rare Candy to begin with, so you may as well include a 101 of this because it just kind of fits. Uh, we might not... Uh, it might be a while before we actually see this thing being good. And actually, is it is it maybe all right, two rotations from now? Does this thing get rotated as well? I'm like, not. Oh, uh, no, because right? we're on E right now, right? So we're on E block on. So we'll rotate E, we'll rotate F, and then this is a G okay. regulation mark. So that we might be waiting two rotations. Like, once we get rid of Lost Zone stuff and Lugia and whatever. Um, before this thing sees play. But I think at that point, that's when it would, could definitely flourish. And maybe we're just like one rotation away, but I think we are at least a rotation yeah. away. I, I could see it good. right now in Backscalibur specifically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I think this is something that in the future will be pretty good. Now, one thing I, I tweeted about this as well, saying that, you know, when old Pidgeot was around, Rare Candy was a bit different than what it is now, right? True. So old Rare Candy, you could play it the turn that you put the Pokemon into play. So you could bench Pidgey, immediately play Rare Candy into Pidgeot. If that existed right now, you know, stage two decks in general would just be way better, obviously. Um, turn two Guardi EX would probably be a little oppressive, I think. But <laughs> you can also like get stuff in in play out of nowhere, right? You go bench, bench. I don't know, Spaghetti Cat, Candy to Meowscarada, you know, yeah. on turn five or something. Yeah, um, and kind of build up towards that in your hand, so you don't have to like have the little vulnerable Spaghetti Cat on the bench, just ready to get KO'd. But somebody in the replies, I think it was Ahmed, yeah, said there's also just less turns in a game. Rare Candy Pidgeot would net you six to eight specific cards back in the day. Now you're getting two to three. I think that's another valid point, right? You're getting less value out of the card because games just are less turns than they used to be more often than not. Are games really going by that fast? I feel like there's more turns than that in a game. Well, I think it's by the time you're getting this in play, right? So if you're getting this yeah, in guess, play on yeah. turn two, you know, you're know you going to get three quick searches from it. Games also, over I feel in like five games back five in the turns. day were longer than that. They were like, you would get like, you get like 10 or more quick searches off back in the day oh yeah because sometimes you would just like not get a ko on a turn right nowadays you get it every lot, deck takes you know. a ko every turn right For the most well not even really though to be honest like what i'm saying like i feel like it's a little bit i don't know it's it's kind of whatever but yeah for, as far the, the candy rules, decks will take two hit ko's a yeah. lot right <laughs> especially those mirrors get really slug festy i think one dude thing could this be good just in arceus as well like, obviously, you don't get to accelerate Maybe. to it, but, like, you get to pull out some neat tech supporters all the time, and you can guaranteed set up Pidgeot with Starburst, is it, right? But I feel like just playing, like, the Curly Galade line is just better than the Buddy Is buddy it, catch. though? Because this can get you, like, an energy card, and yeah, it can but... get you the boss, and it... Yeah, it can get you the path to the peak, which I guess you don't really want path to the peak with this thing. It can get you lost <laughs> city, right? Like <laughs> maybe it's setting it up would still be kind of a headache, but I guess if you just committed one use one of your starboard pieces to then get the other card off the quick search, I could make up for it. So right. I could see it. I could see it. Because um, committing one Starbirth piece, like if you already had, like if you have Pidgey on the bench and you have Pidgeot or Ultra Ball in hand and you just go get Rare Candy, then you can immediately quick search for whatever the other card was, right? So it's like you're not really yeah. even losing that much value. In fact, you're like thinning your deck actively, right? That's true. Yeah, I could see it. Um, the one thing about the Rare Candy stuff is like, one thing people have to keep in mind is that like these cards are being designed well. You know what, to be honest, it could be different. Like, I think we should like assume that these cards are being designed with the idea that the rare candy rule with the way rare candy currently works is the way it works around these cards, right? They've yeah, tested yeah, yeah. these cards with the way with, with current rare candy, 
But who knows? Maybe a rotation or now from or two, uh, a rotation or two from now, they actually already plan to change the rare candies, right? Like that's possible that they arrive a rare candy. I think there's planned. no shot. I think I think the one that I the one that I saw that was reasonable was from Jake Gearhart, where it's like what rare candy would do would be you could rare candy immediately when you put a basic in play, but just not on your first turn. Um, so that would be I think that would be interesting. But I but I think they already know they already know either they they already plan to do that like the cards are already already being designed and the game's designed around that being possible or it's just being currently designed around the current uh current way you use rare candy because I'm sure they know they can change rare candy if they want to so. I think you know we just kind of have to hope that that it's still like you know a fun enjoyable experience when we get to more rare candy based decks being uh in the <clears throat> in the format yeah yeah the more we talked about it i actually think i like the card a little bit more now like just with arceus i think is probably the, the better partner for it but it's other in. than that like backscalibur is is the place to be but i think like more so this is like a obviously the ability is very good but yeah, just a couple not, years not yet yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. This card will have its time almost definitely, though. All right, let's move on. Uh, got some trainer cards now. First one up is the Lost Box Killer, quote-unquote. The attack cost of each basic Pokemon and play both years and your opponents is colorless more. So pretty good against Lost Box, to be honest. Actually, the more I thought about it, the, the better I think it is. Lost Box does have kind of answers to this. Like, Cram can still attack for free, which I definitely messed up recently when I was talking about this card in one of my YouTube videos. I like, didn't connect that, you know, yeah, cram attacks for free. So even with this in play, cram is still attacking. And you yeah. can like Mirage Gate to get like an extra energy on Sableye and stuff. But like that is a really annoying to have to do. So I actually think this card, this card is actually going to be really good against Lost Box. They do play a decent amount of stadiums out. Stadium out, right? Like two Poke Stop, three Vacuum usually. But if you're throwing like Iono at them, Iono down to four plus that's plus the Poke League HQ. That's pretty annoying to have to deal with. Yeah, I think it's got to be like a specific deck that plays this. Probably Arceus is the place that <laughs> it fits the best. But then at the same time, you have to wonder, okay, currently Arceus decks are playing Lost City. That's pretty good against Lost Box as well. Is that... I think it would be good in Guardi. Like you throw this down it could be good in Guardi as well. But you have to. Against... You have three super solid stadiums to play in Guardi right now. So which one of those... Like, are you giving up an Artisan? Are you giving up Collapse yeah, or Temple? Artisan. You definitely yeah. want to keep a I'd keep like one collapse and keep the temple if Lugia is relevant, but if then they usually add this as like the third, or if Lugia is not relevant anymore, just cut the temple for it. But yeah, going like I don't know down to one or two against Lost Box and putting this in play is like that's pretty good. Yeah, that almost like maybe just auto wins you the matchup to be honest. Like it's possible this extra tool for Guardi could like Lost Box, I think, is already struggling in the current meta. Like the Guardi matchup is like pretty close to 50 50, which is already like not great for Lost Box, and the Arceus decks with four Ionos are tough. Like I'm not. A, I'm personally like not a big fan of Lost Box right now. So this could be kind of this. Hopefully, to be honest, I'd be down with that though. I'd be down if like Lost Box is just bad when this thing drops. Yeah, maybe leave some room for some other single prize decks to pop up. Yeah, yeah. Zoro Box. Anyone? You know, <laughs> Zoro. Yeah, exactly. Zoro Box. United Wings. I'm ready for some. Well, I mean, one prize decks. United Wings is a basic attackers as well, but. Oh, you don't mean playing this and that. You just mean like the car, the yeah. deck being okay. Yeah, but there's like a mind. draw engine in United Wings, like a little bit more consistent of a draw engine. So you be able to find it out to your to Pokemon Poke League gauge. Yeah, a sure. More consistently. A couple other supported cards here. We've got Ortega. Look at your opponent's hand. Choose one card that you find there and put it on the bottom of your opponent's deck. I read this card initially and was like, okay, this is insane. And then I read the last line. Then your opponent may draw one card. So. It is a very powerful first effect, but you are giving your opponent something else to work with, right? It can't be. Well, I think it's important to. It, it, there's no way it's the card you took away from them. Sure. 
have that going for you, I guess. I don't know. This actually seems really good. Obviously, it kind of stands out as like a control type card. Yeah. I think if you if you could get this to consistently function and use it consistently in an attacking deck, that would be really annoying. Like, imagine if they knock your active Pokemon out and then take your research out of your hand or something. Like, that's just really annoying, right? Do you know like another way a... to send that card to the bottom of your deck? Oh. I own I own it. <laughs> sure, sure. But if you're going from, like, four random cards to four random cards, I'd rather just look at their hand and take, you know, take a piece of their Take the best piece, yeah. Yeah, the best piece for what they have on board. Otherwise, you're just giving them four random pieces, you know? Um, but you can, like, play around the card you're taking away from them, so. Uh, yeah, I, I like this card. I think it's really cool. I think it could function really well in like an attacking style deck. I think even in Gardevoir, like this is a one of with like a pal pad. You know, you go for a big one hit KO, plus look at their hand, take something away. Like, yeah, I, I could see this being more of a play choice in a format where there weren't decks like Lost Box and Gardevoir that can just naturally see so many cards yeah. every single turn. Like if more decks played similarly to like Arceus, where you're just kind of playing with whatever you draw for turn and then whatever you had in your hand last turn more often than not um then i could see something like this being better right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it definitely strives in like no draw support type formats like we have b barrel as well right so like even arcus x with b barrel is going to be yeah um, but theoretically like if they have enough cards in their hand right maybe you take away like if you get to see their hand right so if they've got clunky things like extra stadiums extra energies yeah this is obviously very situational in that regard but and then the last one, this is one actually I'm what what's up? I just we had that like little bit of a pause. I was waiting for you to I was like, go ahead, Chip, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I just want to make sure you didn't want to say anything else about Ortega, bro. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Ortega's cool. But yeah, I think it would be I think it'd be really cool if like an attacking style that could abuse it, not just like straight up control decks. Yeah. I think that'd be the most interesting way to play it. And then finally we've got Gita or Geet Greed. What did you say? What were you calling her when we were in the pre-show? Gita. Gita. I'm pretty sure it's Gita, but I don't know 100%. Could be. Gita, Gita. Let us know I what you think, think it is in the comments. Yeah, I'm sure someone just know. Well, I'm sure someone knows, yeah. Yeah. Us in the well, yeah, there is a correct correct pronunciation. Well, yeah, course, yeah. Gita. I did find out. Uh, I've been saying it wrong. It is not Iono. It is Iono. Dude, it's just Iono. Iono. That's how you're supposed to say it. That's how I, I got to get myself to start saying it. It doesn't I really. Know. I don't know. Some of that. I don't know. It it matters, but like it's so it's Chip, basically the same Chip's thing. Even Chip's getting tired of it. People in the comments are like, "Yeah, why is Chip being so strict with the?" You know, like, every time you're like, "No, Azul, this is how you pronounce it." But now even you're getting tired of it. But you're like, you're like, bro, just let me say Geek Vault, bro. Just please. It just like stings in my ears. Drapion. <laughs> Stop! No. <laughs> Gita, until the end of the turn, you play this card. None of your Pokemon can attack including Pokemon put into play this turn. Search your deck for up to two basic energy cards and attach them to one of your Pokemon. Then shuffle your deck. This is a super unique effect that we have not seen on a card before, I don't think. Something new, something different. Um, It doesn't feel like cards currently, any of the Pokemon in the current format would abuse this very well, though. I think we're a little bit, we're like kind of, this is definitely like, one of those supporters that'll be used in probably like one deck throughout its existence and like maybe one tier one deck. Um, maybe a little bit better, you know, a rotation or two from now. But yeah, current meta doesn't seem like it's it's going to be functioning on release, but it is a very cool card. Different, something new, something interesting, something different. I think that's like, we've seen a lot more of that recently. I think, I think they've been doing a really good job. Just like, we need more stuff like this where it's like, oh, it's cool. It's interesting. It makes me stop and think about what I could combo with. 
I feel like 151 has a lot of that, so it's kind of a shame we're not getting 151 anytime soon, but it does look like Obsidian Flames will have a decent amount of that as well. So, yeah, more cards like this, even if they're not going to be used instantly, immediately, it's not broken off the bat, you know, it seems like it'll definitely have its moment eventually. So, yeah, another cool cool card that uh, I'm definitely excited to have in the format. Yeah, I can see there being something for sure that this is good with. And the stuff that I think this could be good with right now, I mean, really, there's kind of one card that stands out to me, and that's Ting Lu. Nope. But even that, like, you have the on, and you probably want to go first most often anyway, and you can't play supporter on your first turn. Now, if we ever got to a point where the rules changed back to being able to play a supporter on your first turn... Dude, the people who... No. <laughs> just no <laughs> now that we're several years removed from that as well are you do you like what the current first turn rules are but because you've you're well, someone who's played yeah. you're someone who's played through multiple eras of first turn rules you've played through 2010 where you couldn't play a supporter stadium or uh like you couldn't play any trainer cards turn one but you could attack yeah you also played where there were no restrictions where you could do everything you could play supporters items and attack you could only play supporters, but not attack. And then what we have currently where you can't attack and you can't play a supporter of all the different turn one rules you've seen over the years yourself as a competitive player. What have you been your favorites? Um, I think it definitely is a little bit dependent on the card pool, of course. Right. And they, but they definitely, they design the cards around the turn one rules. That's how I feel like something that you always have to remind people. It's like, they're not just designing cards and then forget that what you can do on your first and second turn and like, I feel like so many people act like they're just like throwing stuff out there as far as cards go. And they're like, all right, we'll see how it does in the meta. <laughs> like they, they definitely have some idea of what the meta decks could look like. And then they also, you know, design it around what's available to use alongside other cards and, you know, turn one rules. I think 2010 is really good, though. I think 2010 was really good. Once again, it's based on the card pool, though. Right. Right. But 2010 did feel really, really good for. Yeah. When you went first, um, you, I mean, and I forget, like, sometimes you choose to go second, sometimes you choose to go first. And also, the rules back then for best two out of three was if you lost game one going into game two, you got to see your hand first and then choose whether you want to go first or second based on seeing your hand. Um, and the flip also, if you won the flip, you had to go first um, as well. That was also one of the rules as well. So it's a little bit different, but 2010 felt pretty good. I, I think 2010 was pretty solid. Um, but like, I don't, I don't think there's like a big problem with like current, the people who wanted to like bring back turn one supporters literally have no idea. It's like it definitely a uh, grass is always greener. Now it's not even a grass is always greener. It's just, that was just stupid. <laughs> like the people who like, like a, last Jeez. year or whatever, we're talking about bringing back turn one supporters, like going first, not going second, allowing you to play a turn one supporter going first is, would have been so bad. Like going first is already a huge advantage in the Pokemon TCG. And it has been for a while, not a huge advantage. It's an advantage yeah. to go first for sure. I think that so many people will just look at a small sample size and formulate their opinion based off of a couple games, right? So they have two out of five games at a cup where they lose because they opened up turn one, a poor hand, but had a supporter and they didn't get to play it. Their opponent goes Second, Iona's them turn one because that's their only supporter. They get the dead hand, and then they lose the game on the next turn. If you have two out of your five games oh, happen the... like that, it would be easy to walk away and be like, man, this the turn one rules right now are terrible. If I could have played my supporter, <laughs> I would have had a turn to set up and try to do all this stuff. Yeah, I think I think back – so back then we did have Marnie. So Marnie I think was one of the main driving forces behind that. 
But still, even then, it would have been going first would have been absurd. So you would have been able to play Marnie. You'd be able to go first and play Marnie. Like that's yeah. Insane. People forget that they're like <laughs> <laughs> every day. I want to go. Around. I want to be able to play supporter so I don't lose to Marnie. So you just get to go first and win with Marnie. <laughs> yeah. so I think that was one of the main driving reasons behind that. I mean, Marnie was just kind of a toxic card, so it's a good thing it's just gone. I don't know. Definitely a more balanced version of a disruption card for sure. And I think it's actually just like speaking towards that because we didn't really know how I don't know would feel. I think it's like. It's doing its job. I think Iona's like a really, a really good, healthy card. Yeah, having the having the game just kind of still a little early, um, but yeah, I, I feel pretty solid about it too right now. Yeah, a few more sets in, maybe our opinion will change. And it depends on like other cards that eventually come out, right? But yeah, definitely, I agree. If Once again, they're designing right like people. Yeah, people. I feel like whenever people are talking about card design, they don't. The designers are designing the game around the game <laughs> like, it's not like yeah. they're like playing Yu-Gi-Oh and being like okay how do we make these Pokemon cards work in Yu-Gi-Oh oh one more card I just realized before we move on that we hadn't talked about yet uh is Rhyme another new supporter draw three oh, cards three. and then switch out your opponent's active Pokemon to the bench so a unique similar effect almost like a gust but not really and you also get to draw some cards with it as well I don't know. What are your thoughts on this one, Azul? Um, I mean, draw draw three supporters. I think you just need to become draw four supporters. I think we would have such a cool variety of supporters that people played in the format if we had draw fours. I think draw. we just need Avery if it said draw four, uh, Rhyme if it said draw four. I think we're just like a little bit like – it just feels like bad for it to say draw three. I feel like it needs a little bit of a power boost to become more viable. And I think it would really potentially shake up – Um shake up the like the the meta the the, the format of support of the meta it would just be like for research for i don't know which is probably what we're headed towards to be honest um going forward we're probably headed towards once we lose like the, the lost zone engine and all that stuff we're probably looking at for i don't know for research in most decks but i feel like they just need to make these draw three supporters just draw fours and then they, all of a sudden they yeah. become a more reasonable inclusion in a lot of decks uh but it's like a, it's like a this is the type of card that you'd play as like a tech to like maybe get around something that has like some weird blocking effect like you your basics can't hit you during your next turn you go like or like i don't know rhyme plus something to like be able to get around some kind of situation like that but i think these supporters just need to say draw four yeah maybe if there's a deck that's popular in the format like you know eternatus wheezing you know push that yeah. wheezing out of the active spot so you can do something i could also see this maybe being eventually good if there was ever a deck that already played four bosses orders but wanted just a little bit more of an option you know maybe this becomes a fifth boss i remember there was a format with uh adp where every adp deck was playing four boss and then i was like mm, how can you get a fifth boss in here so i played a sabrina's suggestions where you look at the opponent's hand and play a supporter from there <laughs> i want to do it again how do we it uh, was so sick it? whenever <laughs> I saw so many concede screens when I played Sabrina's suggestions <laughs> and ripped the boss from their hand. Um, but yeah, if there was ever uh, a format where, you know, or there was a deck that was already playing four boss that wanted just that little bit extra gust or like, because it's not really gust, but it's kind of gust, right? Yeah. In the right scenario. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, it's like the yeah. act, their active is the only thing that you can't mess with. Yeah, you want to, yeah. to mess with something, especially in like a deck where you could something like Pidgeotto EX, where you can consistently find this card. Consistently finding this card is also an important part Pidgeotto. of <laughs> Pidgeotto for rhyme for game. Pidgeot, Pidgeot, bro, Pidgeot, Pidgeot, whatever. 
I have to say that's something that always messed me up when I was a kid. The fact that it went. I always thought Pidgeotto was the. It makes sense, right? Small word, medium word, big word. It should be. Isn't it? What is this supposed to be based on? What are they? Dude, I don't know. Oh, I thought there was something behind the 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 pidge line, but maybe not. Yeah, it makes sense. I always just think Pidgeotto was the bigger one too. Actually, to be honest, if someone told like. Before this card came out, if someone told me if I was trying to think of which one the big one was, I probably would have said Pidgeotto to be honest. But now I'm like, now I know because of the release of this card. Well, you did <laughs> just say it wrong like 10 right? seconds ago. No, I think I was explaining that I would have said it wrong. No, you said it wrong. That's what sparked this discussion. Right, confirm <laughs> in the comment section. I don't, you lose every time we do this, by the way. Every time you're like, I don't think I said that. Someone tell us in the comments, did I actually say that? You have been wrong every time. With that said, we want to give a huge thanks to Dragon Shield for being the sponsor of the Uncommon Energy podcast. Dragon makes Dragon Shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market, including sleeves, spiders, deck boxes, and much, much more. I still got to pick out what sleeves I'm going to be bringing to Worlds. I haven't decided what I'm bringing yet, but I got to figure that out. Um, Gotta get the right colors, you know. Yeah. I sleeved up a deck in the snow dual mats this week. I might this try weekend. to play at my cup this this coming weekend. So not sure if I'll end up going with that color or not. If I decide to play a different deck, I'm just gonna use some classic dual mat black or not dual mat, uh some classic matte blacks, because that's what I've got a bunch of. I just got a, a whole box of those so that's my go-to color so i'll happily crack into that if necessary but if not maybe i'll rock the snow dual mats we'll see all right yeah big thanks to dragon shield as always for being a sponsor you can find them over at their website dragonshield.com slash webshop slash us or eu depending where you're located and of course they're available literally everywhere else pretty much local game shops amazon walmart you name it they're probably there and with that said, let's go ahead and jump into the guess that flavor text chip. It is your week to pick a card for me to try and guess the Pokemon that the flavor text that you're going to pick belongs to. For anyone who doesn't know how this works, Chip's going to read off a flavor text, and I have to try and guess what Pokemon that flavor text on that card belongs to. And then if I get it right without using any lifelines, I get four points. If I use a lifeline, and for each lifeline that I use, there's three of them, I get one less point. If I get the, the correct card or the correct Pokemon after that. And the lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is in, read an attack name. Chip, I'm ready. Hit me with the flavor text. Yes, we'll see how ready you are, Azul. It is born asleep, and it dies asleep. All its movements are apparently no more than the result of it tossing and turning in its dreams. Okay, so the Pokemon that I'm thinking of that is always asleep on the card is Musharma. Um, and then there's the basic, there's Musharma, and then there's Musharna, Musharna, and then there's the basic, which is Mana. No, is it Mana? It's Mana. Mana. Okay. What stage is the card? It is a basic. I'm going to go with Mana. You're locking it in. I'm locking in Mana. Well, you're wrong. Should have used no. some more lifelines. <laughs> <laughs> is it drowsy? No, it's, it's not drowsy. Not, it's not, it's not, not drowsy. drowsy either. Mana's yeah, this was one that on I card. thought there was a chance you could get four points on, to be honest. And I think there's some people in the comments who definitely locked up four points this week. I'll read the other lifeline, or I'll do the other lifeline. I was confident on that one. All right, go ahead. Um, so the attack name is Hypno Roll. I could work with Mana. Yeah, yeah. And it is a, the set it is from, it is a Sun and Moon promo card. 
Sun and Moon Pro. That could still be Mana, I feel like, right? Mana's from this. Gen 5, bro. They're not making yeah. promos of Mana in Gen 7. I don't know. Mana's kind of a popular popular poke. They, everyone's a big Mana fan. <laughs> what? <laughs> what world are you living in? Yo, where, yo, if you're a Mana fan, let me know in the comment section down below. All right. Let us know if you got the Pokemon right because it is Kamala. Oh. Kamala. Okay, that, that is a, definitely a sleeping Pokemon for sure. I don't think I would have yeah. got there. That would have that would have been tough. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have got to the Kamala. Yeah, in uh, celebration of Pokemon Sleep coming out, Kamala. <laughs> Wait, what is Pokemon Sleep? I don't know. I haven't downloaded it. I probably it's like will track though. Track your sleep. It is. It's it's basically a sleep tracking game, an app that tracks your sleep. But like, you also can collect Pokemon. Is what Does I understand you, like, it play as. Play it when you go to sleep. I think you just like start it when you go to sleep but i think you have to like sleep with your phone right next to you in your bed so it like knows or maybe you just i i don't know yet i should bro big pikachu stealing our dreams with that for sure bro. he's like <laughs> <laughs> they're going like another layer deep as far as like advertisement um you know the people who are out there who are paid to like figure out what people like and why they like it and that's how ads are based and created and made around they're going one step further and they have this pokemon sleep app that's literally stealing our dreams to try and figure out the best way to advertise pokemon to us for sure that's what's happening here definitely well it is kamala let us know in the comments if you were able to get it correct did the lifelines help you or were you able to lock it in for four points are you playing pokemon sleep as well let us know, <laughs> let us know. is it out Pokemon yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure it like came out this week, like this past okay. week. Oh, I saw people talking about. It. I wasn't sure if it was out. It well, forever though, right? The beta, yeah, dude, it got announced in like 2019 or something like that. I yeah. think. I mean, COVID, COVID slowed everything down, so. It's I guess, yeah, but yeah, a, a game that you can just been. play, like. Yeah, but it was not on the top of their priority list when COVID hit. They were probably like, "All right, we can let Pokemon Sleep to go to the back burner for right now. <laughs> we got some. We, we can let Pokemon Sleep forward. take a nap for a little while." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow! All right, Chip. <laughs> All right, and uh, moving forward, we're back with some best of... Should we talk about League Cups in general first, or... Um, we could talk yeah, about so Cups. I mean, I think that's kind of maybe where part of this comes from. You know, the community is back on the best of one versus best of three debate. I feel like we've talked about it, like, two or three times on the podcast, but... We're going in. We'll start, a, we'll start off by talking about some League Cups. So, yeah, League Cups are kind of back into the full swing of things. The season is underway, even though Worlds has not happened even though we don't know how many points you need to get to 2024 worlds, even though we don't know where 2024 worlds is, all these things are question marks. Um, people are still playing for their points and people are showing up big time for cups, for challenges. I've seen people yeah. who have driven like hours for cups and even like for a challenge where you only get 15 points, there's 50 people at the tournament. People are driving like seven hours to these things. And then I've also seen people like flying for double cup weekends. It's getting crazy out there. So people are ready for the points and we don't even know what they're playing for yet. How many points do you need? We don't know. Yeah. I mean, we've got a pretty good, I think we have like a pretty good idea. It's going to be, it seems like it's gonna be pretty similar to, you know, best fish limit of eight for cups and challenges probably throughout the whole year. And then um, if anyone doesn't know what best finish limit is, they can take your top, top X finishes from a type of tournament. And that'll be applied towards your world's advice. So we're probably looking at best of eight. Total finishes for cups and challenges. Regionals, probably going to be six to eight uh, BFL for that. And it's probably going to be around 500 points again for the World's Invite, which I think is fine. I think it's been a solid number that we've been kind of going to pretty consistently in the last couple seasons. Of course, we had that kind of break between COVID where we didn't have some 
miss out on worlds or two how many worlds actually did we miss out on there's two worlds right yeah there was no 2020 yeah. worlds and no 2021 worlds yeah um so uh what was i gonna say about the cops oh yeah but but i guess like the big thing and we see this come up i feel like it's been coming out i feel like every time pokemon gets like a new surge of popularity there is a lot of game stores that are trying to take advantage of that right because game stores you know they it helps them to stay in business and it's good business to you know be running tournaments for different card games right Mm-hmm. People want to be having be able to have league cups and league challenges and get the Pokemon players into their stores. Um, and there are some uh, the most we had one most recently pop up here where it was like someone char- where they were charging fifty dollar entry fee. I saw that. I think that's the most I've ever seen for a league cup. Now, one thing I talked about on my stream the other day to quickly just kind of throw that out there is like people really got to start uh, putting uh, speaking with their wallet. And if if the event is really ran poorly uh bad conditions in the store or if the entry fee is just too ex- or is like really expensive unless it's like your only league cup near you because there are some people who have like one one store within like 10 within like you know like that one's like an hour away and the next store is like three hours away unless it's like that kind of situation and even if it is that kind of situation you know speak with your wallet stop paying 50 dollars for i could not imagine paying 50 dollar entry fee unless the pricing was really high of course yeah i don't know about the pricing yet i don't know what yep. the pricing was for that one specifically but yeah speak with your wallet stop showing up to these poorly ran or heavily inflated registration fee league cups and league challenges i think you gotta take that stance yeah. of the pokemon community but people fe- are feeding it for the cp so it feels like it might yeah. not be headed that route yeah i think in theory right if you're just looking at it from like a competitive value standpoint 50 dollars for a league cup would be perfectly acceptable if there is adequate prizing paid out so like you know, for $50, at least like half a booster box worth of packs going into the prize pool for each entrant, something like that, or store credit yeah, equivalent, something like that. Something like that. Um, a 1K or a 5K would be like... But where it falls short to me as well is the fact of League Cups are kind of meant to be this in-between bridge between the hyper-competitive players and then also your local players, right? You're, you, you as a card shop should want to give your local player base or people who live in your area that play Pokemon that maybe don't normally come to your card store, but were would for a bit of a tournament, you want to give them a reasonable way to try to compete in a Pokemon event. And when you put that high of a price tag on your tournament, you're taking a good bit of that away and you're going to turn a good bit of those players away from competing in your tournament. Now, if you're just a solely, you know, short-sighted business focused idea you know if you can sell out your store space for fifty dollars a person that and you know maybe it's a smaller store or something like that right maybe they have a cap of 25 or 30 people something like that and they think okay we're in a good area we can sell out at fifty dollars let's do it but you're cutting short maybe the people who would like your main audience right because people the competitive players might be willing to drive from far away to make that happen still but the people at your locals who come to your league every single week, they probably don't want to pay more than $20 to play in one of these things. And even $20 is like, it's a lot for something to do on the weekend, right? Uh, a hobby that's already, you know, can be expensive buying a lot of cards and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't know, there has to be like at some point where Pokemon would like send them a, all right, you gotta, you gotta like, they can't, they couldn't charge like theoretically, they couldn't charge like a hundred. I mean, there has to be a point where like if enough support tickets are submitted about a certain issue with a store 
Um, and I think some things that people bring up as issues are really non-issues. And it's just kind of like, if you don't like that about the store or the location, then you probably just shouldn't go. Um, but I think like the one thing that you could look at and be like, okay, at some point this maybe gets a little bit predatory would be entry fee, right? Like there was also like a, there was a, one of the big one that blew up over on Twitter over the weekend was there was a leak cup in California where apparently there's no AC in the store. You know, it was re- it's been really hot here in California and, you know, people were, they didn't have enough tables so people were playing outside on their cars, um, which is kind of funny. Um, so in that situation, it feels like they probably should have limited entry so people weren't playing outside on their cars. You know, just make sure this do a pre-reg online. People can get in ahead of time. You know how many people you have. You know when you when people are going to be turned away. So you tell them, you know, don't even show up because, you know, we're full up. Um, and if, I mean, some stores don't have AC. I remember playing back in the day in some stores in Massachusetts that didn't have AC. So if you don't like that and that's easier, it's not, if that's too miserable for you, then I would say don't go. I think the one thing you could always look at that would be a, a registration fee, right? Like if someone is charging $100 reg for a leak up, I haven't seen that yet, of course, but at some point I feel like Pokemon should step in and be like, okay, you can't do that, right? I assume, I assume they, they would step in at some point at a certain level of entry fee charge. Yeah, I mean, in theory, right, Pokemon could, and you have to ask, should they set parameters for what a cup or a challenge should Maybe look do. like? That's what I was going to say. Do they? Do you know? Like, I don't there guidelines think out that there? they do, but I think that there's probably a reason for that, right? Each shop is different, you know? And location a store, well, A store right? that's located in the middle of Chicago versus a store that's located in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. Like, the demographic and the amount of players that these stores are going to get is vastly different. So it's expense so, to run the store as well, right? Yeah, exactly. It's more expensive in Chicago. You're going to have more people as well to support like maybe having a higher prize pool. So they have a higher entry fee um, versus, you know, somewhere in the country or something like that. You just, you know, want to have something for the people who live nearby to be able to participate in and play and have a chance to earn some points. So, I mean, I think like if Pokemon wanted to in theory, and they've done this before, right? With city championships where local tournament organizers ran this level of tournament rather than the stores themselves. Uh, And then Pokemon, I believe back in the day for cities, right? They provided the prizing for those things because they were run Um, by the, the city championship uh, by the tournament organizer for that area. I don't remember a thousand percent because that's like right when I started playing. Because entry fees, well, there was no entry. Wait, there was yeah, there was no entry fees back then either. No, no, there were entry fees for for cities for sure. No, there was. Maybe not at some. Maybe in the past, like early oh, days of cities, maybe eventually? not. But when I started playing, I definitely remember there being. You played in cities. Yeah, my first year playing was the last year of cities. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, way back in the day, you, there was no entry fee for anything. For anyone who's curious, like there was no entry fee for regionals. No entry fee for wait, was there entry? No, there wasn't. I think the first regional I went to, there was no entry fee. No, I back in the day, regionals I've heard this before. Yeah, did no not entry have fee at regionals fee. or cities or ba- wait, maybe cities and battles did have an entry fee. Maybe not. I don't remember. I remember having to get maybe I just had to get like lunch money from my parents. Like, <laughs> the, I don't remember. Um, yeah, I don't think there was like back when I started playing 2010, no entry fee for anything. You just showed up, you played, you had a good time. Um, did need to bring some lunch money with the or, or lunch, one or the other because good to eat um yeah so i guess maybe it did start with season i didn't remember that. i thought it started with league cups where they started charging entry fee but i guess i'm wrong on that probably um uh what was i gonna say man i'm kind of lost in this one. Oh yeah yeah but i think that's like yeah i think you gotta 
I mean, I guess that'd be a, for anyone out there who knows. Is there a point where Pokemon would step up? Have we ever seen that before? If anyone actually who's listening, let us know in the comment section. Like, has a anyone, league or something like yeah, that? Yeah, do you know about a league or a store where Pokemon took away their their ability to run tournaments for whatever reason? Oh, I mean, that's definitely be. happened. Yeah, but yeah, but like wondering what the reason is that. Like, what is? The I don't know that if that it's happened? happened because of someone charging too much for a cup. There was a store point, in North right? Carolina, I remember a few years ago, that they charged like a $50 entry fee to their cup, but everyone who registered got an Arcanine break box. So they used their <laughs> entry fee as a way to move old products that they couldn't sell. <laughs> Yeah, how do you feel about that? Because I feel like that is because sometimes I hear about like a little bit higher entry fees, but it's like, oh, you get two packs. So it's like, okay, the entry fee is like $10 more expensive than the average one. I mean, I think if you're paying $50 and then more is going into the general prize pool, that's fine. But I think if you're tying, like in the example I just gave, I think if you're tying old dead stock to the entry fee, that's a little like suspect in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of, I'm not a big fan of the but, idea of that. Like I said earlier, I think like in general, these should be less than $20 events because it's supposed to be something 20. between casual and competitive. Yeah, I mean, I think ideally that's a good number to shoot for is the $20. And But I think if you do go higher, 30, 40, if you're tying that to it being like a 1K or like a 5K type tournament, you know, somewhere in that range of a decent amount of prize payout or like a case tournament or something, I think that's fine as well. And trying to make a little bit bigger of an event out of it, um, I think it's okay as well. But yeah, $50 for the one that we saw there was $50. That seems like a, that seems like a lot. I don't know about else. that. Yeah, but I, I think players need to like... Unless it is like we didn't see there's I haven't seen I thought I would assume that someone would have like defended the tournament if they knew the prize pool for the tournament. But I haven't seen anyone mention anything about the prize of what the prize pool is for that tournament on Twitter, which is kind of like the the defense of it is like we don't know what the prize pool is for this tournament. So them charging fifty dollars could be reasonable. Um, but I think people the players need to definitely start speaking with their time and their wallet and just like stop showing up to some of these tournaments that have these egregious entry fees. Um or if the tournaments are really run that poorly, uh, then also just like don't don't go. And if they if no one goes to their tournaments, they can't run tournaments. So they either have to improve or they just don't run tournaments. And I think they want to run the tournaments. So hopefully that would lead to them improving the tournaments, right? And this could also be one of the situations of a new store running a tournament and not really, you know, so a store that's used to having just their local area play in their Magic the Gathering tournaments, right? And they charge more and they have a good prize payout and they're they're just not used to and probably not expecting dozens of people to drive hours away to go play in this thing. That also no. is is a possibility. I don't know this this league or this store if it's something that's been around for a long time or not, but that is something that could be could be a thing. But um this discussion kind of also led you know, I don't know if these were necessarily related, but more just kind of two things that the community was talking about this week. And that's the League Cups we mentioned. And then also the good old best of one versus best of three debate. This was a pretty prominent discussion, I think, after NAIC specifically. Uh, and I think in large part due to the game that was on stream round one, Tord Reklev versus Pedro Pertusi, where Tord wins game one and a pretty long game one. I think Pedro maybe could have conceded a little bit earlier, to be honest, if I'm remembering yeah. back to that game correctly. I know you, Bavad, reviewed it, right? Yeah. Um, but regardless, you know, they go to game two, and it's pretty obvious early on that Tord is not playing to win game one. 
or game two, game sorry. Two. He's playing yeah. to not lose game two, right? So yeah. he's just playing his game, setting up his board, doing things like that. He's not really worried about attacking or anything like that. He's just worried about doing things that take time off the clock that lead to him winning the match 1-0, which is eventually what happens. So that's been kind of one of the big calluses and big points of calluses. this discussion <laughs> the last couple weeks. Huh? You said one of the big calluses. Yeah. Like a cat, like that's a, that's a thing. Oh, a catalyst. Cattle. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cat- <laughs> yeah. My bad. You're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Big catalyst. I'll give you that uh... one. <laughs> um, yeah. And we even saw, you know, prominent creators like Celio putting out a poll over on Twitter. Round structures for major Pokemon TCG events should be. Best of three, 50 minutes with ties. Best of three, 50 minutes, no ties. Best of one, 30 minutes with ties. Best of one, 30 minutes with no ties. And the most popular choice, the one that I voted for, and I believe the one you voted for as well as Zul, best of three, 50 minutes with ties, which is our current structure at the moment. Yeah. 49% in that camp, 29% in best of three, 50, no ties. And then you know, around 10% in the other two vote categories. Yeah. The only way I think best of one would work. And of course, like what, so one of the things that would have, have to happen with best of one is we currently play nine rounds, best two out of three, 50 minutes plus three with ties. We went to at best the of regional one, level at regional level. If we went to best of one, we'd be playing probably what 13, 14 rounds day one. That's day one rounds, right? We'd be playing like 13, 14 rounds day one, seven, eight rounds day two, best of one, 30 minutes, uh, I would still say we should still have ties. I think ties are, are fine in the game. Uh, I think ties should exist. So with ties, ideally for me. Um, but I think for best of one to work and be as consistently functional in Pokemon as best two out of three is currently, I think one thing that could get it there and maybe even surpass best two out of three if we have that many rounds would be some kind of optional mulligan rule where if you open a hand and you have an Arceus, but the rest of the hand is like six energy cards, you can choose to be like, I'm going to take a mulligan here. Show your opponent. You still have a basic, but now you get to shuffle that back into the deck. Get seven new cards. They still get a card. Um, and then you play from there. But if you mulligan again, like if that hand had no basics, your opponent would get another card draw. But you get like an optional mulligan. No matter what your hand looks like. Or what if it was if it like an optional mulligan, but you had to keep the second hand. So you just get yourself like one one chance well, yeah, at a reset. Well, yeah, that's right? what I'm saying. Just one optional mulligan. But there's yeah. no basic. It, it, but it has, still has to have a basic. The, the yeah, sure, sure, sure. still has to have basic, yeah. Um, or another one that's come out before, and I think Tord is the one who like started this idea was draw thirteen cards, um, and then you'll most likely have a basic then, <laughs> and then you pick six of the cards to be your prize cards, which would uh, kind of help solve the checking prize cards thing that uh, has come up as a discussion recently. Um, so you'd know your prize cards, whether you get to like place them out how you want to, or your opponent then shuffle, or you shuffle your prize cards afterwards, and your opponent cuts, and then you lay them out. Um, or not who knows how that would function but i think if you do best of one you would need like one of those two things or a different way to kind of help the consistency of best of one that's the only way i think best of one is ever close to being as good as best two out of three even with the current rate of ties that seem to be happening in major tournaments which i don't even think is that bad to be honest uh, i think people are kind of, kind of just looking for something to complain about with that but otherwise i think like if we did switch to best of one and, and it was just best of one 30 minutes with no like optional kind of type mulligan rule i think people would be very miserable very fast even some of the people who are currently advocating for best of one they think that it's i think this is definitely a grass is always greener on the other side type scenario was there anything else that you would change up though like about one do you have any other ideas like how to make best of one better or would you be fine with like no i think best of one with an optional mulligan seems good i don't love the idea of playing extra rounds though 
Um, what do you mean we'd have to? There's no way. Well, I feel like you would have to, but like I just don't like it's it adds more time. Like obviously you're losing time from the like it'll balance out right between probably be more rounds versus 50 minutes rounds versus Some... 30 minute rounds. So it'll balance <laughs> out. But I'm just thinking of like the it just there's more between rounds. There's more dead time yeah. in the tournament, right? That so all be accounted for. It does then, make yeah. the day feel longer, even if it isn't actually longer. Yeah. I think in theory it would make the day feel longer. And then also I think it would be more mentally taxing than the game already is because you're going between more games, right? Even if you're in theory with best of three, if you're going to game three uh, most rounds, like you're theoretically playing more games, but you're having to think through less situations almost, I feel like, because you're playing nine people two times, two to three times. Whereas if you're playing yeah. 14, 15 people um, one time, you know, you're having to adjust more on the fly. It, I almost feel like it would be more of a, a mental strain on the day. Yeah, um, I could see. It. I think that the time would, yeah, some people were, <laughs> some comments I've seen about some people saying about this is that like, if we switched to best of one, 13, 14 rounds, uh, the tournaments would go faster, which is not true because of the amount of downtime in between rounds. There's more yeah. in between rounds time. So it'd probably be about the same. And also more um, opportunity for there to be a long judge call after a round. There's almost always a long judge call after yeah. every single round anyway, right? With so many games happening, but you just create more opportunities for that to happen at a higher, you know, time extension rate than already exists which yeah. is never fun for you know any level of the tournament for the staff for the production right uh or, or for the other players who are having to sit and wait but yeah. like i mentioned a lot of this discussion was due to kind of that round one stream game i feel like from an aic and tor did eventually put out oops did put out a statement about this I mean, it wasn't yeah. so much about the round but like solution to yeah um, he didn't talk about his round really but yeah, yeah he said but I, but it was like he's kind of saying this because he's the center of a lot of this discussion yeah you know, yeah right? that's fair that's fair yeah probably so Tord tweeted i'll just read a statement real quick seen a lot of controversy and differing opinions around the 50 minute best of three time structure lately a normal game of pokemon takes about 25 minutes and even longer for some of the top decks Taking legal actions in a game you are losing is not cheating, as per the rulebook, but it certainly feels like it sometimes. Wholeheartedly, I think the tournament experience would be more fun for everyone if we played two games instead of three, with each game awarding one point. Right now, every match will always have one player wanting a game to not conclude, either game two being up a game or game three being in a bad position. With two games... Both players will always have an incentive to finish every game, even if you are losing, since it will boost your opponent's win percentage. This also eliminates the unfair advantage of the opening coin flip. In theory, right? In this system, one player goes first once, one player goes uh, first the other game. Interested in opinions on the structure and where you personally draw the line for fair play. Yeah, and we talked about this. I think we talked about this before, but I think, and I agree... That best of, or yeah, I guess it would be best of two, right? Or you just play two games. Is that a best out of three? It would just be best of two. Um, and then, like, if you each win a game, it's just a tie. Or you both get one point. It's not even a, really a tie, right? It's just for each game one, yeah. you get a point. Um, and I do think this would be uh, a good system in terms of just people trying to maximize playing games. I think that is true. But I think it would be a very unsatisfying system as well, especially, like, for stream matches. 
and, like, and they go one and one and that's it yeah <laughs> and that's i think around if you're looking at this from a pure top level max. player perspective min max type of ideology where you just want games and you want things to feel the most fair i could maybe understand this but like try explaining to someone at their first ever pokemon tournament oh yeah half of your matches are not going to have a winner you know <laughs> like it's just so counterintuitive to what every other competitive game ever teaches you right that you want there to be a winner and not let alone mention for the stream like you said yeah um it's already annoying enough as a viewer to watch a game end in a tie imagine if every single match ends in a tie or, or a half the matches the, right yeah there would be a lot more one and ones right I, I don't think and even i saw chris shamansky tweet out on twitter it's like there's not that many there's not as many games going to time as people seem to think i think basically oh, that's what definitely chris not um, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, I think this is kind of the, is that like what it is for Pokemon? The flavor of the, uh, it's like flavor of the month thing to complain about <laughs> uh, kind of thing. But yeah, I'm not a big fan of best of two. It's just super unsatisfying, bad viewer experience for the stream. Of course, you'd get to best of three into top cut eventually. Um, but yeah, it just seems super unsatisfying. Um, uh, yeah, the proportion of 1-0 matches is very, very small. Oh, I guess it's just talking about 1-0s. It's not talking about ties in like a, um, in a, best two out of three scenario where it goes you know game yeah. three doesn't finish but it doesn't really feel like it happens that often to be honest like especially like and so i feel like the game shouldn't be enjoyable only if you're trying to maximize competitive uh play something i've been really trying to do recently personally is trying to finish my sets to finish three games of my sets to have enough time to play three games the more ga pokemon games of pokemon you play the higher chance the better has of winning more right so that's something I've been trying to do is play as much Pokemon as possible. And I've had very few ties like the last, well, I actually had a decent amount of ties at NAIC to be honest. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but what uh, majority of them were my fault. I could have played better, conceded faster. Like, and I recognize that, right? I don't think it's a problem with the format. I could have done more, but should everyone have to play, try and play at the caliber of play that I'm trying to play at to enjoy the, for the tournament? I don't think so. Right. So I think there is definitely a a a point to that as well like not everyone should be trying to play at the caliber i'm trying to play it to be able to enjoy a pokemon tcg tournament um so but if it's just kind of a uh, a state or a a um product of the current format lost box guardy like i don't think we should change the rules just because one format feels a little bit more tie heavy as well i don't think that makes sense yeah um, so ultimately I mean, one other discussion point that I think does come up every time this comes, the, this like the issue of ties in the game comes about is the talking point of chess clocks. So at chess tournaments, each person has a set number of a set amount of time to play the game. And when you're done with your actions, you tap the button, boom, go on to the next one. Your opponent's clock starts. Your opponent's clock mm -hmm. starts. So in theory, if you have two clocks with 25 minutes each on them, 50 minutes each person has the same amount of time but it's a little different between pokemon and chess because in chess everyone's on the same playing field right they have the same pieces they do the same things in pokemon though you know a deck like arceus that searches the deck at the end of the turn once every single turn and then a deck like mew that goes in and out of the deck a dozen times a turn right there's yeah. shuffling time like all these things add up to one player ultimately taking up more of the time and it's not because of them doing gameplay actions it's just because like that's how their deck is built and how it works and also another point you know this would 
be really bad for control strategies just in general yep. as well, right? Yeah, I think I don't think it's a bad thing. And in the rule book, it there it does say that roughly each player should get an equal amount of time, but I don't think that should exist in the rule book. I think that's a a bad thing to have in the rule book because it, it's it's a it's a game where, like you said, yeah, in chess, everyone's playing with the exact same pieces. In Pokemon, you could be theoretically playing with sixty different pieces from your opponent, right? Yeah, like it's not equal, and it shouldn't be equal. If someone takes forty minutes in a game and someone takes ten ideally the matches still gets resolved but if that's the outcome based on the matchup in the decks that's fine that's fine if someone only gets 10 minutes of play time and someone gets 40 minutes of play time if, if as long as the match resolves right if all three games get played in the best two out of three who cares how who took more time that shouldn't matter in a trading card game so i think that should personally be removed from the rule book because i think it's a it's something people will bring up as like a reasoning for the time having should be should be even on each side which then leads to the kind of the chess clock discussion which once again doesn't make any sense in a card game because we're not playing with the same exact pieces some pieces take longer than others and that's fine if you don't like it go play chess like you can just go play chess and their client their online client is easier chess or is is better chess.com no bugs <laughs> no glitches an actual ranked elo rating system it's it's everything you could Dude, ever imagine I, go for it azul finding a way to sneak in a ptcg live rant <laughs> <laughs> it's there check that one you. off the weekly bingo card right <laughs> if you want to play chess go play chess pokemon is not chess it doesn't mean we couldn't take some ideas or theories from it but like yeah chess clocks is terrible idea um in pokemon the last thing i would say though is like my personal ideal for i think i, I think the current format of best out of three fifty minutes plus three with ties isn't i think it's better than pretty much everything that people have suggested i think you can expand on best out of three and potentially alter this one and what i would like to see personally would be best out of three 60 minutes ties but no plus three and i think we would play more pokemon i think that 10 minutes from 50 to 60 you basically already do that with plus three the amount the rate that players slow down when it enters plus returns is a lot right um and even on top of that in general there's a judge call that extended the round anyways by like five or ten minutes maybe so most players are still finishing that i think if you went to 60 minutes instead of plus three people would play more turns of pokemon and the tournaments would finish in the exact same amount of time i think that the 10 minutes is basically being used up in plus three to begin with yeah i almost so andrew mahone tweeted something about this um him favoring best of one versus best of three until his man if he gets donked yeah um <laughs> he says he doesn't mind towards solution but he's saying best uh, 30 minutes best of one no ties like what japan has which is where the cards are designed it's so miserable optimal. to watch japan streams it's not it's like huh? i was even ranted about it when i watched um not the not the japan championships but the one before that so many people just like opened a dead hand and the game was over or got donked it was miserable to watch it was honestly miserable yeah. to watch so I think I hope Mahomes man if he gets stonked in the <laughs> one tournament. I I think that a best of one structure similar to what Japan has with the addition of the optional mulligan, like we talked about. I think in my mind that's the best structure to go for. Um, cool. I, think I think the I'm game gonna... feels pretty balanced, right? Maybe as balanced as it's felt in a long time with the current turn one rules and going first versus going second, right? Yeah. Like I think going, going first is still slightly better, but most decks can win going first or going second, no matter what they're playing against. Right. Which yeah. that, that that's something that I don't think uh, we're, we're at like, as long as I've been playing, it almost feels like an all time low of going first being the most advantaged position. Um, just in it's general. It's definitely an advantage, but it doesn't feel overwhelmingly yes. like, oh, yes. that's it. I'm done. I'm cooked. Especially when you're not playing a mirror match. When you play a mirror match, it still feels pretty good to go first. Of course. Non-mirror matches, 
like the extra power of the setup that you get from playing a draw supporter ideally on your first turn like you know you got you're like an arceus deck up against a guardi deck the arceus deck goes gets goes first he's a turn attachment but as the guardi deck you know you're almost if you go second to have an iono you're like guaranteed four ralts right so like you have some power to work with on your follow-up turn um for sure so i feel like best of one with the optional mulligan to eliminate what you mentioned as like kind of the big issue uh from watching the japanese streams or at least decrease the chances of it happening there will be games obviously if an optional mulligan exists where you take your optional mulligan and your next hand is just as bad that's gonna happen right but variance is yep. always gonna exist in card games unfortunately it's just gonna be part of it if we wanted to play a perfect um you know 100 skill-based game we should just go play chess right go play chess <laughs> i mean if you can't get donked in chess so and then I honestly, I don't hate the idea of like just nine rounds. Even like, why do we have to add more rounds if it's best of one? Like in theory to reduce the variance, right? But if we're already adding yeah. the optional mulligan rule, we can still no. just do nine rounds. We can keep our kind of similar structure plus six rounds day two. And then the tournament goes by faster. And then you have more time to do other things at the tournament, right? We always talk about at these Pokemon events, if you how... want to go three drop and go play side events, you got it, bro. But yeah, uh... <laughs> no, listen, listen, or, you know, how often have you been to one of these cities for a Pokemon tournament and done nothing besides go to the hotel and the convention center, right? Yeah, but I don't, but it's not gonna create that much more time. I think you still need the extra rounds to get, to make it uh, on par with best two out of three, I think for the current the current system if you went to best one i think you would need the the 12 13 rounds whatever it might become to be on par otherwise i think the variants are still going to be uh, a lot higher in the overall tournament results <clears throat> i think those extra those extra couple rounds will make a big difference for sure best of one optional mulligan nine rounds no ties i think i would be on board with that 14 rounds no ties all right <laughs> i agree with you i think yeah, i would be down to try that out like i think that would be reasonable to try out the no no the no optional mulligan i think would have way too much variance in tournament and i think we'd see it in the results as well pretty pretty quickly like we just see the top players that have been doing well for a long time just not doing as well just because there's more variance in the game which like if they end up going that route i mean more variance in the game isn't the end of the world i mean it's still just pokemon at the end of the day but um i would like to be a little bit i'd like to minimize the variance as much as we can that it within reason and i think uh the current system does that pretty well uh, in comparison to some past past systems um what? well so is that chip <laughs> i think that i think that is it so uh yeah we're gonna get on out of here and get into our bonus episode over on the patreon thanks of course to everyone for listening as always your support means a ton to us if you do enjoy please be sure to leave us a like leave us a rating a comment all those things go a long way to help more people find the podcast and help us keep doing what we're doing. And if you want to stay up to date with us, the best place to do it is over on Twitter. Myself, you can follow at Chip Ritchie, Azul, at Azul underscore GG. You can also follow the Uncommon Energy podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Appreciate the support. As always, good luck in your cups and challenges. If you're going to name this weekend, if the entry fee is too high, just don't go. It's like, just, just like, you know, just be like, I'm not going to go to this. And if enough people don't go, you know, hopefully they'll, you know, switch it up if it really is that egregious. Um, or if they're like, you know, if they run the tournaments that poorly, just put your foot down, you know, speak with your, your wallet and your time and don't go play at those tournaments. But yeah, Pokemon players are CP or 
uh, championship point fiends. So I mean, they're always showing up, no matter the entry fee price, no matter the uh, no matter how the tournaments run. So they're always making their way there. But yeah, catch you all next Tuesday, 7 a.m. Eastern.